This is Brother John Metter, and I thank you for joining us, and I thank you for the love and mercy and goodness of God that He has bestowed upon all of us. You know, last week, I, yeah, that's the reason I've got to where I won't hardly even study or pull up notes or anything, uh, because it just seems like when I get started on something, the Spirit of the Lord takes over. Uh, but I was expounding very greatly on examining ourselves. And I want to know what my purpose in God is. I want to know what His, not what my will is, but is what His will is. That's exactly what I want to know. I want to know what His will is for my life because I was put here by Him. I was put here for Him, and I was put Him for the Christ the very power of the resurrected Christ, which I referred to as the Holy Ghost, being revealed in me. And that's what I feel like, that we that are here, by the divine will and purpose of God, and, I, and you may not believe in predestined. I believe predestination. I believe in it. Because Paul said in Ephesians 1 and 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ or in spiritual places or realms in the Spirit in Christ according as He hath chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world. So see, you were chosen in Him. You were in His foreknowledge. You were in His plan before He ever formed the earth, before He ever laid the foundation of the world and said let there be light when you go back to Genesis 1 and he said the earth was void and without form and darkness was on the face of the deep before uh, in in that time period you were you were brought forth you were in that foreknowledge of God he had already planned your existence he had already chosen you for a purpose does that mean You've got to fulfill that purpose. No, you don't. But He will bring you forth at His time. He will give you the opportunity to do this at His chosen time. You know, when I was growing up, just a young boy, at, uh, like eight years old, when I had my first experience with God, I used to go out in the woods and pray. Uh, there was uh, a big uh, thing of woods behind our house. Uh, we lived up in Ohio at that time, and I'd go out in the woods and pray. And, and then we moved back to uh, Tennessee, and there was woods right down the street from our house, and I would go down there and pray. And I was always praying and, and reaching out to God as a young boy, but I had my first experience in the woods behind our house up in Ohio. It's where God touched my life and made Himself real to me by His Spirit. But I used to go out in the woods and pray, and I said, Lord, if I could have just lived, Jesus, if I could have just lived in your day, if I could have just lived in your day and, and, and saw those great miracles and, and been able to be there and witness the, the crowds that you preached to and the way you raised the dead and opened the blind eyes and all the people that came to you and just touched the hem of your garment, I would tell him I would love to have been there and I would have followed you everywhere. I would have been there and, and, and counted it a great honor. And, you know, I didn't understand as a boy what my purpose was. I knew I loved God with all my heart. 
I knew from the time I was seven years old I wanted to be a minister of the gospel. Never in my life did I want to be anything else. You know, in school they want you to choose what you're going to be. And, and back in, in those days, you know, the big thing was astronauts. It wasn't sports figures that much. I mean, as I come on up, you know, we had baseball, and, and men began to get famous in baseball, and some of you, you know, will recognize the name, Mickey Mantle and Roger Maris and Don Drysdale and Whitey Ford and, and men like that that were in baseball, uh, and there were other great ones, you know. I mean, we've always had great men, but now it seems like sports has taken over uh, people's lives. It wasn't that way. Yeah, people enjoy, but it wasn't that way. But now sports dominates uh, people's lives, and I don't want to get off on that. But uh, I remember telling the Lord these things as a young boy, as I prayed and as I sought Him, and I didn't know how to pray in those days, but I talked to the Lord the best of my ability. But as I grew older. And, and I fully surrendered my life to the Lord at 19, and that was over 47 years ago. I surrendered my life to the Lord at 19 years of age and, uh, you know, wanted to, started seeking Him in prayer. He gave me a spirit of prayer. He gave me a spirit of fasting. I spent several days a week in fasting. Matter of fact, when I, I first started serving the Lord, I was very athletic. Um, I was a weightlifter. I had played all kinds of sports, uh, lifted weights. Even after I got out of high school, studied karate and different things. Had a good friend that was a third-degree black belt, and he taught me some things. And, and I was always, you know, wanting to work out or practice the karate and different things. And, and I was very solidly athletic built. And the first year I served God, the Spirit of the Lord got a hold to me, and I fasted five days and eat two. Five days and eat two. I fast five days a week and eat two, and I lost 35 pounds of solid weight. Not fat, not water weight, but solid uh, weight, and most of it was muscle. I lost 35 pounds in my hunger for God and seeking God because uh, I wanted to find the will of God for my life. And I was saying here, you know, Paul, uh, he said in Ephesians 1 and verse 4, According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. And he goes on in verse 5, says, Having predestinated us to the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. So it's not our will. My God, children, do you not ever pray the Lord's Prayer and say, Father, not my will, but thine be done. Not my will, Lord. Not my will. I don't need my will to be done. I need thy will to be done. So many people, they come to the Lord and they they make Jesus their Savior, but they never make Him their Lord. There's a difference in just making Jesus your Savior and making Him Lord of your life. And if you are predestined, if you find that that you were chosen in Him before the foundation of the world and that He has predestinated you for something, you, and it goes on and says, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sin, according to the riches of His grace, wherein He hath abounded toward us 
all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he had purposed in himself. So it tells us right there that we've been chosen in him before the foundation of the world. We've been predestinated to the adoption of the sonship. According to Romans 8, it says we are heirs with God and joint heirs with Christ. And if you're not an heir, then you don't partake. And we are joint heirs with Christ. That means what he obtained, we can obtain. And it goes on in verse 10, says, In the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. See, I don't just preach a message and then find something else, and then find something else, and then find something else. The Word of God give me builds like building blocks. It builds like building blocks. I've got a young man in our church, and, and you can go back uh, to the 80s when we started recording, when I started on the field uh, full-time in the late 70s and early 80s. He still has cassette tapes of mine that he recorded that we recorded, uh, and we used to uh, hand them out to people. We asked them to give us an offering to help, you know, pay for the cassettes and the recording equipment and help the ministry. But he's probably got three or four thousand, uh, and he will tell you the word has not changed. That I started preaching back in the '80s, it stayed on track, but it's gotten deeper, greater revelation, greater understanding, greater wisdom and knowledge. But I've not gotten off track from where God, from what God put me on. It's just gotten more revealed, more refined, bringing forth the purpose of God. You know, you just don't get saved and step out there the next day and start doing miracles. That's the reason I have trouble with these people that come to the Lord and give their heart to the Lord. And in just a few weeks or a few months, they're out here preaching. They're out here ministering like they've been out there on the field for 10 or 15 years. Let me tell you something, I sought the Lord seven solid years in prayer and fasting and seeking God many hours a day, fasting many days a week, seeking God in probably several 21-day fasts a year and at least one 40-day fast every year, which is usually in the fall over Thanksgiving and Christmas. I would fast 40 days. There was many a time I never ate a Thanksgiving dinner. I never ate a Christmas dinner. Because I was always in prayer seeking God, and I wanted to find His will for my life. And I remember back in 2010, I believe it was, the Lord spoke to me and said that I am going to take my people into a new dispensation and bring forth a new generation. And I've been telling people this for years, that God is doing a new thing, but you can't get people to break the old. You can't get people to seek for anything new. But when he said here in Ephesians 1 and 10 that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, and that means the fullness of years. So in that dispensation that comes, wasn't in Paul's day, wasn't in Paul's day, that in the dispensation of the fullness of years he might gather together in one all things in Christ. So everything that has not been revealed in years past, every day, every, all the revelation, because 
Every church age has a revelation of the Word of God. But the thing is, there's so many people that never follow on to seek the Lord, but they stop with one thing, they get, they get bound up in it, and they preach it, and it becomes doctrine. It becomes doctrine to them. It becomes tradition to them, and that's where they stop. You don't need to stop in God. You don't need to stop in your relationship with God or your edifying or your learning. You do not need to stop. You need to keep growing. You need to keep growing. It's like Hosea 6 says to them that follow on to know the Lord. He will come unto them as the morning, even as the rain, the former and latter rain unto the earth. See, what we are supposed to have received according to the Word of God is the former reign of the Spirit, which is the day of Pentecost. Uh, and then now, all down through the generations, we have had the rain. The former rain only lasted, uh, I don't know, I can't put a time period on it, uh, probably a couple of hundred years if it lasted that long. But the power that was in that early church has never been given past that dispensation uh, that God moved and uh, the Lord dealt with me many years ago that there was three dispensations of the rains. There was a former rain, the rain, and the latter rain. We know about the rain because that's what we've lived in. Uh, we have limited knowledge of the former rain except what the book of Acts says. We've never experienced it. I don't care what people have been taught. The former rains of the Holy Ghost that fell on the day of Pentecost have not been given. If they had been given, then there would be government, there would be leadership, there would be a fivefold ministry. People would reverence uh, the leadership. They would come under subjection according to their calling. If it's a pastor, if it's an evangelist, if it's a teacher, then you would be subject to that apostle and prophet's ministry. Because Paul said in Ephesians 2 and 20, we are built on the foundation of the apostle and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. So here Paul is saying that all the knowledge and wisdom and revelation that has not yet been revealed, that is dispensation that's coming, and I believe we are entering into that dispensation now of the fullness of times, which that word times means years, uh, that he might gather together in one all things in Christ. So he's going to gather everything together that have not yet been revealed, going to bring it all together in one, going to make a complete revelation and understanding of the Word of God that's been revealed all down through the years since the early church. It's been revealed, and we've had a lot of things that man has brought out that is not the doctrine of Christ. It is just man's good teaching. It's out of men's zeal. Uh, the Lord showed me a couple of years back that uh, when Joel wrote about the palmer worm, the canker worm, the caterpillar, uh, the locust, my great army, God said, which I sent among you, he said, all these are the doctrines of men that have been taught out of zeal and out of carnal knowledge, but they've been taught as doctrine and he said, every one of these things has hindered and weakened the doctrine of Christ. The doctrine of Christ is a pure doctrine. It was the doctrine Jesus preached. It was the doctrine that the apostles of the early church preached. It's the doctrine that the apostle John wrote about 
in Second uh, John, the epistle of Second John, when he said, don't transgress the doctrine of Christ. If you transgress the doctrine of Christ, then you don't have Him. You do not have Him. And you don't need to let anybody come to your house and bring not this doctrine. Uh, it's only one chapter. Let me get over to it. Uh, okay, I'm looking for uh, verse 7. For many deceivers are entered into the world who confess not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. As many people don't believe that Jesus came to this earth as a man. They claim to be Christians, but they don't believe he was a man. I believe he was a man created in the likeness of sinful flesh. And he's just like me and you. If he wasn't just like me and you, he couldn't have been tempted like me and you. And that's what the Bible says. But was at all points tempted as we are. Therefore, he had to be a man. He had to battle the carnal mind. He had to battle the forces of sin and hell to become our example and be an example to us, which the Bible says he is. But there's many people who won't confess that. Oh, they'll tell you that Jesus was a man and he could have sinned, but then they'll turn right around and tell you that he was, uh, you know, there's a doctrine called the doctrine of peccability and impeccability. You might have heard of it. But in one breath, they'll say he was 100% man and he could have sinned. And in the next breath, they'll say he was 100% God and couldn't have sinned. Can't have it both ways. Uh, look to yourselves that ye you lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we might, but that we receive a full reward. Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ, singular doctrine, hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ has both the Father and the Son. If there come unto you any of any unto you and bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house, neither bid him God's feet, for he that biddeth him God's feet is a partaker of his evil deeds. There's people that allow people in their homes, allow people, they talk to them. They argue with them. They debate with them, knowing they don't understand the truth. And I think people uh, do it at times just to lift themselves up in self-righteousness. But see, there's, there's all these canker worm, caterpillar, palmer worm, locusts, all this is the doctrines of men that's come in since the day of Pentecost, come in down through the ages, and they've devoured, they've eat up the true doctrine of Christ. They eat up the true leadership and order of the church and we have got to have a restoration. We do not need revival. People keep saying we need revival. Well, you go ahead and keep saying you need revival. I'm not praying for revival. I am praying for restoration back to what the Lord poured out on the day of Pentecost. We have got and for God's sake, I hope you people out there, when I say we have got to have an outpouring of the Spirit of God, do not think that I'm talking about this feeling coming on you where you jerk and you shout and you talk in tongues. That is not what I'm talking about. I am talking about a restoration according to Joel 2.25 where he says, And I will restore unto you the years. I'm going to give you back with the canker worm, the caterpillar, the palmer worm. I'm going to give you back all this that they've eaten up 
In other words, I'm going to take you back to where I started the church. I'm going to restore the ministry. I'm going to restore the power. I'm going to restore the wisdom, the knowledge, the understanding, the ability to minister. I'm going to restore to you the power and the authority and the dominion. In other words, he, he, he brought his kingdom forth in that new church in a measure. He is going to do this. I've been preaching this for years that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It is going to be revealed. It has got to be revealed. The church cannot move forward in the confusion, in the corruption, in the mess, in the garbage, in the junk. Can't do it. Can't move forward in it. Cannot move forward in it because it's confusion. It's error. There's nothing today that I can find that lines up with the book of Acts church. And if you want to go to tongues and speaking in tongues, they, there's not a one of you that I know of that has taught in the tongues that was poured out on the day of Pentecost because they were the natural tongues of the people in that part of the world. I read one time in history somewhere that 117 different dialects were spoken on the day of Pentecost because they ministered to every nation under heaven that was drawn together over there where the Jews had been scattered. They were holy men, devout men, men of the priesthood more than likely, and they heard in their own native tongue the wonderful works of Christ preached. But see, that's what I'm talking about. All people have been taught about the Holy Ghost is talking in tongues, talking in tongues, talking in tongues. Well, you just go ahead with that. I believe in tongues, and I will tell you like Paul said, I probably speak in tongues more than ye all. God has allowed me over many years of prayer and seeking God to go into many different prayer languages. And I know many people that say they've received the Holy Ghost and they still say the same few words and the same few syllables in tongues. Tongues means languages. You've never developed a language. You've never sought God and followed on with God to develop a language. I'm not trying to be critical. I'm trying to edify. We need edifying. We need strengthening, we need wisdom, we need understanding. We need God to move in us and prepare us. And we need to seek God for a visitation to restore us. That is why starting in August uh, in our church in Fort Payne, Alabama, on August the 19th through the 25th, we are going to have uh, a meeting. I'm not calling it a revival. I may, uh, out of habit, say that, but we're going to have a meeting starting August the 19th and going through uh, the 25th. It's Monday through the following Sunday. I don't believe in these things people call three-day revivals. Uh, we'll go there later. But I believe in seeking God. And the Lord gave me a dream back in either April or May, and he showed me in the dream I was standing in front of our church in Fort Payne, Alabama, and I was ministering, and I made this statement. Nineteen years ago today, so that would be August the 20th, 2019, the church was founded on August the 20th, the year of 2000. It's been there now almost 19 years. It will be on August the 19th, and as I was ministering in the church, I looked out over the congregation and the church was full. It was not packed, but it was full. And there were many different nationalities. 
There were people from all walks of life, people from all nations seemed like under heaven, and I looked in the back of the church. Standing in the back of the church were some of the people that started out with me. And when I made this statement that 19 years ago God founded this church and the Lord spoke to me and said it's now time for this church to come forth, then the people, the older people, they just disappeared. I don't know what happened to them. I don't know what the Lord was trying to show me. He has not yet revealed it to me. I'm telling a dream is a dream. But all I know, in 2006, we were in the nation of India. We were gathered together that morning in prayer, seeking God for His mind and His will and for Him to order our steps that day. And the Spirit of the Lord uh, came upon Sister Angela Abraham, and the Spirit of prophecy began to speak to me and said that God was going to make our church in Fort Payne, Alabama, an international church. That people was going to come from all walks of life, all nations, to learn to pray, to learn the Word, to learn how to serve God in spirit and truth, and they were going to go back to their countries, and they were going to teach the Word of God. Well, they don't have to come from all nations per se. They're already in this country. There's immigrants from every nation under heaven in this country. And I believe the chosen vessels that God wants to use are already here. I believe they're coming in. I believe they're uh, fixing to start coming to our church in Fort Payne. I believe the Spirit of the Lord's drawing them. Uh, the Lord's been telling us we're going to see a, a house of Cornelius move. I believe it. I believe this is time that God is turning to the Gentiles. The church has done nothing with what God has given them except sit down and I'll say it again, examine yourself. What's your church doing? Uh, what's going forth in people? What's going forth in their hearts and minds? What is their goal? What is their uh, goal in God? What is your church vision? What is your vision for your relationship in God? So you look at it, you tell me, you examine yourselves and uh, find out what it is that God is wanting to do in us because there was a scripture that I wanted to bring out the last two broadcasts. And let me see if I can get it in here. Maybe I can uh, get a chance to preach it the next couple of weeks. And it's Isaiah 26 and verse 16 through 18. Starting at verse 16, it says, In trouble, Lord, in trouble, have they visited thee. They poured out a prayer when thy chastening was upon them. When, when the chastening of the Lord's upon you, yeah, you're going to pray, but if you would pray and walk with God, the chastening of the Lord wouldn't be poured upon you. And it goes on in verse 17, Like as a woman with child that draweth near to the time of her delivery is in pain and crieth out in pangs, those pangs there refer to birth pains, so have we been in thy sight, O Lord. We have been with child, we have been in pain, we have, as it were, brought forth wind. We have not wrought any deliverance in the earth, neither have the inhabitants of the word fallen. So you stop and you ask yourself, what have we brought forth? What is being brought forth in the church? Is there any deliverance? Is there any hope of salvation and deliverance and healing being brought forth in the church to help this world that we live in? And Paul said in Galatians 4.19, My little children of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. We're not being taught for Christ, to be, for Christ to be formed in us. We're not seeking for it. 
We're not being edified to pray and come together as a body. So I'm calling on the body of Christ for the next six, eight weeks, however long it is, to our meeting in Fort Payne. All of you out there, come together and let's begin to pray. Set aside a time every day to pray for God to reveal Himself, for God to make Himself real in this meeting in Fort Payne. We are seeking for direction. We're seeking for knowledge and understanding and wisdom for the Spirit of the Lord to direct the church. Uh, Paul, uh, you know, uh, Apostle John, I believe it was, wrote in Revelation that we might have eyes to see and ears to hear what the Spirit speaketh to the church. We need to be able to see not an individual church body, but the church as a whole needs the leadership of the Spirit of God. I thank you for listening, and I would appreciate your investment in this broadcast. Invest in the souls of men. He that won his souls is wise. This is Brother Metter. I greatly thank you for joining us on the broadcast today, and I look forward to seeing you at this next week at the same time. God bless.